Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of the key demographic of 18 to 49, it's time for your main event, Wrestling with Mark! Time. The indefinite continued progress of existence and events in the past, present, and future regarded as a whole. The continued progress of existence as affecting people and things. Time or an amount of time as reckoned by a conventional standard. Well, despite my expectation of getting up, turning on the TV and watching the Elimination Chamber for breakfast, thanks of course to the Australian time zone, it wasn't meant to be. It took me the best part of a 10-hour day to watch the premium live event with weekly shopping, hospital visits and family parties getting in the way. It may have been my prolonged experience viewing that left me feeling like something was missing from the event. But don't get me wrong, the matches were good. But for the last premium live event before WrestleMania, I somehow expected more. The pre-show match was enjoyable and nice to see Indy Hartwell getting some home country love. To be fair, Indy and Candice put up a good fight against the Kabuki Warriors, who I like a lot by the way, but the titles were never going to change hands. But again, a good strong start. Officially, first up, was the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Becky and Naomi started the match off well, and it's great to see Naomi back. Some of the split-style splashes she does made me crease inside, I guess, in a good way. I can't even imagine doing the splits, let alone on top of someone. One of the standouts, of course, was Tiffany Stratton. Not only were the crowd behind her, but she got one of the most memorable high spots of the event with her swanton bomb off the top of the pods. You have to think... Tiffany a contender to win the next Money in the Bank match, but I guess time will tell. I noticed Liv Morgan got some booze when she eliminated Tiffany. Anyway, we were down to the final three with Becky, Bianca and Liv. All three would have made sense really. Liv has obvious history with Rhea, Becky has been lining up the event for a few weeks and Bianca is probably the best pound for pound athlete in the women's division. When Morgan got a cheeky roll up on Bianca, I knew that Becky would come out on top. Bianca looked devastated. Don't worry, Bianca, you're still on the poster, so your WrestleMania dream isn't over just yet. And of course, Becky went on to win, which, to be honest, I was quite pleased about. Unlike half of the internet who wanted live. But to them, I say, don't worry, there's plenty of time for that feud to play out. It just makes sense for someone of Becky's experience to take on Rhea at the biggest show of the year. Possibly the biggest show ever. Also, she has a book to promote, which I've already pre-ordered on Audible. I ain't got no time to read. So where does this leave Bianca? I think they need to leave the women's championship match alone as it is. 
No three-way, no four-way, please. Perhaps an open challenge? Maybe Charlotte Flair can return in time. Or maybe she'll have a grudge match against Liv. Who the fuck knows? But I'm sure we will see her at WrestleMania. Not just on the poster. Because, of course, Bianca has her own show to promote as well. All in all, the women's match, I thought, was pretty damn good. Next up was the Tag Team Championship match between The Judgment Day and The New Catch Republic. I really enjoyed this match. It actually looked like The Judgment Day were going to lose at more than one occasion. Dominic played his role brilliantly until, of course, he was ejected and the whole match was just very entertaining. There was even a point that could have been the catalyst for a split when Damien accidentally knocked Finn off onto the turnbuckle and allowed the British stars to capitalise. But in the end, it wasn't to be for Butch and Tyler and the judgment they retained. A few takes from this. I was completely wrong about the audience reaction to the judgment day. I mentioned in my predictions that I thought due to their association with Rhea, they may have had a warmer welcome. I couldn't have been more wrong. Second take, how awesome is Tyler Bate? Not really being all too familiar with NXT UK, I didn't realise how good Tyler is. I predict big things for this guy. I thought Tyler and Pete made an excellent team. Obviously, they're no strangers to each other from the aforementioned NXT UK. Thirdly, I'd forgotten how menacing Damien Priest is. He looked strong in this match and reminded me that he is a potential future WWE world champion after all. With his recent R-Truth antics, I was starting to forget that this is senior money in the bank and he's only an opportunity away from taking one of the championships for himself. If the WWE aren't ready for him to be at the top, he could even be a serious contender for Gunther's intercontinental title. Moving on now to the Grayson Waller effect. Two of my favourite superstars, a future champion and Grayson Waller in one ring at the same time. What's not to love? Well, I'll tell you, I thought this fell pretty flat. One thing missing, the bloodline. It all felt a bit awkward. Now, I like Austin Theory, He's a talented guy with a bright future, but at the moment, all he seems to do is piss me off. And not in a good way. His rock impressions were cringe, and he was clearly only there for Cody and Seth to beat up. Grayson Waller didn't even get involved. It's like WWE was scared to touch Grayson in case his fellow Aussies stormed the ring in revolt. It's one thing protecting your baby faces, but having them double team one guy didn't seem very baby face in the grand scheme of things. My disappointment from this section probably stems from the fact that I learnt nothing new. It just seemed like this was a segment better suited to an episode of Monday Night Raw, not in the middle of a premium live event. I'm sorry to say this, 
But this segment did nothing to build excitement for WrestleMania. Even Cody's open challenge to The Rock really didn't do much for me. It really missed the bloodline being present. The penultimate match was, of course, the men's elimination chamber. This was pretty good all in all, although I did have a few bugbears. LA Knight and Drew McIntyre kicked it off. Both looked strong. Kevin, Bobby, Randy and Logan followed in that order. There were a few good moments. Drew getting his head smashed on every pod. Logan's chemistry with Kevin was great and the RKO brass knuckles return was really good. The right guy won and Drew McIntyre is off to face Seth at WrestleMania 40. Obviously, there was no rock as I had hoped for and talked about in my last podcast, but that's okay. The one thing I didn't like about this match was how they did LA Knight dirty. I was hoping that he would at least be in line to challenge Logan Paul for the US title at WrestleMania. But no, it looks like he will now be feuding with AJ Styles. Nothing against AJ Styles, although I'm not sure why he has such a problem with LA Knight. But hey, it looks like LA Knight will be waiting a bit longer for his chance to gain some gold around his waist. Are they setting up Randy Orton versus Logan Paul? Maybe, time will tell on that. One thing the WWE has at the moment is a lot of championship worthy guys and not enough bouts to fight for. Still, can't be a bad thing. Right, now onto the main event. Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax for the WWE Women's Heavyweight Championship. There are a lot of Nia Jax haters out there on the Tinterweb, but I can happily say that I'm not one of them. I really enjoyed this match. Now, we all knew Rhea was going to win, especially being in her home country, but I thought Nia Jax looked strong. The only person in Rhea's championship run to handle her like a ragdoll. The spot where Nia... Samoan dropped Rhea onto a table looked particularly brutal as Rhea landed directly on the upright iPad monitor. Ouch. Of course, after a superplex off the top ropes, Rhea hit Nia with the Annihilator and it was game over. It was nice to see Rhea celebrating with her family. Her sister was there, so at least I can confirm that Dream Rhea wasn't lying to me. I'm looking forward to seeing Rhea versus Becky at WrestleMania 40. Whilst her match with Nia probably wasn't her best work, I feel confident Becky will be a worthy opponent for what perhaps could be a headline-worthy matchup. But it probably won't be because... Wrestling News This past Friday on SmackDown, The Rock called out Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins for a tag team match to headline night one of WrestleMania 40. The stipulation, if Seth and Cody win, 
Cody will face Roman Reigns alone with no interference, I presume. If they lose, bloodline rules, which I guessed just means that the bloodline can do whatever they want. So pretty much any other Roman Reigns main event of the last year. So obviously we can expect Seth and Cody to take the match and I'm pretty sure they will lose. The main event of night two is going to be a chaotic show of near falls and interference. The only thing I hope doesn't happen is for Cody to win via disqualification. Surely they can't cheat him out of another main event win. I know I'm jumping ahead of myself there, but I have a horrible feeling about this. A theory that's floating around the internet is that Seth will betray Cody. Another theory is that The Rock will betray Roman. We've all seen that slightly off acknowledgement that The Rock does that appears to be an alpha loser. In fact, so has Paul Heyman. There is a lot to take in here. Good news is though that I've booked Monday off work so I can watch night two as it will be around 4am where I live. Can't bloody wait. One last thing. Did anybody watch The Rock's Twitter promo on Cody Rhodes? It was heel rock gold. Cody didn't watch it though. But he's happy for The Rock. Or he's sorry it happened. Boom. Wrestling with Mark. Brought to you by Mr. Fisher Productions. Got to say, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling W Mark IFB. Bye for now.